looking to change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Uh, it's me, Ryan, obviously, once again. Uh, welcome to episode number 51. Uh, we are over that hump, so to speak. We are over the first 50 episodes, and we are charging forward to the next 50. And I'm super excited uh, to finally get this dude on the show. We met um, at the very beginning of the pandemic through this amazing uh, group on Facebook called Men in Ed. It was a Facebook group that our buddy Hal Bowman decided to get together. Um, and so I would say most of you out there have probably heard this guy. He's pretty big in the edgesphere lately. Um, his name is Dr. Basil Marin. He is a dad. He is a husband. He is the AP of Chambly Charter High School in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the 2019 Association of Supervision and Curriculum Development Emerging Leader. He is the, or sorry, he was the featured speaker at the 2019 Empower Conference in Chicago. He is currently the president for Emerging Leaders ASCD affiliate, and he has also helped quite a bit on a couple books. Um, I'll tell you what, let me make sure I say those right. I had him in the show notes, several books, including Personal and Authentic, Unconventional Leadership, Modern Mentor, Forces of Influence, and It's Me. So without further ado, uh, Dr. Basil, thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Hey, brother, brother Ryan, thank you for having me on, on the podcast, man. Like you said, we've been playing uh, the cat and mouse game, but we finally got it settled down, and I'm excited to be here uh, with you here this evening to talk about the Big Ed Idea, brother. Yeah, yeah. You know, we both, uh, I think, you know, we're both dads, we're both husbands, we're both actually APs at the high school level. Um, we got all kinds of irons in the fire. I know you're pretty busy and pretty um, involved with the Twitter sphere and, um, you know, with that kind of stuff. And so it took a while, but here we are. <laughs> you're persistent i am <laughs> listen persistent yes. and flexible i appreciate that <laughs> listen flexibility um i always tell you know my students up at school anytime that i can tell them flexibility is the key to um you know having a happy life that is very true that's that's a life skill that goes far beyond just high school but also like you said in life um what be it's going to be a college uh, whether going to the military, I mean, flexibility is key. I think you need flexibility when you go to Walmart. You thought you were going to get something, and then you can't. Oh. You, walk, you walk back out with the without the thing you wanted. That you got to be flexible. So that's now, definitely yeah, a life lesson. <laughs> listen, every time I go to Walmart, I don't know about you, but I walk out with like twenty things that that I did not intend did on even. <laughs> like the dumbest stuff. I don't know why I pick it up. It's it, but that's Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Basil. Um. All right, so. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this podcast before, but I really try to be very uh, real. You know, um, this is not something I do to, you know, like make money, obviously. Um, this is not something that I'm doing to, you know, like build a book someday, although I do want to write a book. Um, this is just a way for me to meet some amazing ed educators out there um, all over and to be able to pick their brain. Um, one thing I've learned in education is that education is a competitive sport. So if there's any ideas that I can glean and then take back, you know, that's what, that's what we're all about. So, um, yeah, this is just real raw. If we go on tangents, Hey, that's okay. That, that, that's perfect. And like I said, you and I could, I don't think you and I have ever met a stranger, so we're going to be okay. <laughs> never, never. Just keep, me, keep, uh, keep me in the timer. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. So the very first thing I always like to bring up um, on this show is, you know, I am a real guy. Um, like I said, I am a dad, you know, I am a husband. And so I, I like to bring up what's going on in my house um, outside of the podcast. And so um, normally I do all of these recordings on Sunday night. So it's really nice. I get to talk about the weekend. Um, this weekend, my family, uh, my wife and I, and three of our daughters went camping. Um, now I know you're about, let's see, Atlanta is about seven hours South of me. 
But there is this really cool place in Southern Indiana called Santa Claus, Indiana. And they have this amusement park called Holiday World. Um, actually, for anybody out there, Santa Claus, Indiana is where if your kids or maybe you send a letter to Santa, it will go to this post office, like a little bitty post office in Santa Claus, Indiana. And they've got this huge amusement park. Um, but they also have a place that you can rent cabins. And so for this weekend, uh, we went there. They've got a really cool like Halloween contest and like everybody um, everybody dresses up their, their golf carts and they dress up their cabins and like um, the people... The people staying beside us brought their 1969 Volkswagen um, van and had it all like lit up with like skeletons. And it was a really, really good time. Um, you know, it's nice after a really busy week to just completely disconnect, turn off my cell phone, turn off the email. Uh, so that's what I did this weekend. Um, what did you and, and your family do this weekend, Basil? Wow, my, my weekend was way more underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> underwhelming, okay. Yeah, yours is, uh, you sound like you almost near the North Pole, you know. That's right. <laughs> that applies to right. uh, post office. But no, just a kind of a, a relaxing weekend, uh, kind of just chilling. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. Well, last weekend was my uh, first anniversary, first year anniversary for a doctoral program. That's right, that's right. Uh, so I'm trying to bask, I'm trying to bask, Ryan, and just, um doing nothing yeah sometimes and just and and allowing that self-care to be part of it me and my family because you know I'm, as you said i'm always doing something um be it a conference be at work be it you know a podcast be it a webinar and so sometimes it is best to just i'm, I'm learning to just be okay with with, with with uh resting um and i think i've really had to you know i had supervisors my principal always gets on me you know basically you need to take some time for yourself you need to relax um, but I think I've learned that the best during COVID because we had to. Yeah. Um, and, and so yeah, because I had to, I, I picked some habits and I'm like, well, I'm not gonna get rid of some of these habits in terms of self-care and, and preservation. So uh, yeah, man, just really relaxing and getting ready for October to be over as going into November yeah. uh, for, for, you know, for, for Thanksgiving and then, you know, on to Christmas. So this, as you know, I was kind of speaking before we hit record, man, this, this year has been such a blur. I feel like we're already here at Christmas already. Um, but I feel like it was creeping in August <laughs> when we started school. So it's going pretty quickly. No, I think you are, you said something hundred percent spot on like about that self-care. Um, but no, like one of my favorite, literally one of my favorite things to do is nothing. Um, <laughs> and the reason I say that is, is because it's really hard for me to sit still. Um, but I don't, you know, with my kids, I can totally just sit on the couch, veg out and, you know, cuddle with my girls. Yeah. um so you know sometimes those are the best weekends exactly exactly and 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 I, I think other thing too is like I don't know about you but sometimes you know because we are in the roles we are um, in our perspective schools I don't know if you ever have like decision fatigue where you you make this you make a thousand <laughs> yeah. right like you gotta decide who's going to lunch you gotta decide about the rail schedule you gotta decide about this teacher you know five teachers stop you in the hallway one right. you know give you a dissertation and you got to just make a decision right then and there that's right uh, and you're trying to go from point a to point b and so i don't know about you but a lot of times you know even i'll be honest i, I love a nap but you know it's it's funny that i come home sometimes and just crash i'm like because <laughs> you're on all day and then you get home you're just done yeah. right you yeah. don't know how tired you are till you stop so sometimes the reason uh, go back full circle sometimes you know the weekend is best just to relax because we're making decisions all the time and as you said you're doing that at work and then you come home <clears throat> excuse me and making decisions for your family uh you know it's a lot so 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 yeah so like sometimes relaxing the man is just the best it is absolutely best um so i'm going to ask you a couple questions um one thing that I, and I know you, so I know that you will totally agree with this statement, connections before content. Um, yeah. It is super, super, super important that we get to know our people um, before we dive into the hard stuff. And so I've got a couple of questions. Uh, you've got a couple of questions and it's essentially just so we can know each other a little bit better. And then mm -hmm. we will uh, dive into this big old idea. Sound good? Perfect, Perfect man. <laughs> Okay, so here's my first question. If you could have dinner with anyone that is alive, anyone that's presently alive, any place, any time, who would it be? Mm. 
and that's hard. I have two people in my mind right now, but I'm going to go with the one. I think the if I could meet with anybody and have dinner, it'd be President Obama. I just, I really admire, admire his work. Um, you know, politically, you, you can yeah. go, you know, Republican, Democrat, but I don't want to more speak with him just about his work ethic, right? Yeah. Um, just, you know, I'm, I'm a speaker. And so when I, he's someone that I can listen to him all day, right? right? Just his cadence and the way he speaks and it's just so flawless. And so I would love to talk to him about how did he develop that, um, that mode of speaking? Like, did he have a communications degree and they kind of molded and he just kind of knew over time? And I know he was a senator and different things like that. But I mean, that's a that's a skill, right? Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, so I would love to talk with him about just leadership, just leadership. I yeah. mean, because everything he's been in is leadership. So yeah. just leadership and how do you um, get people to buy in, follow the capacity? Um, I think those are some awesome questions that we be awesome to ask, to ask him um but yeah i think he would be someone i would definitely enjoy sitting down with yeah actually that's an exact exactly the answer that i would would give and have given to this question um i just well not not i just i think about six months ago i read his book and then mm-hmm. um listened to his podcast with uh bruce springsteen just yeah. just super real super honest right. super down to earth um in another life, I probably would have been a community organizer. Um, okay. That's that's something I am definitely super passionate about. So yeah, I would totally, totally, totally would love to have Barack. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think I could see him eating like a like a big old greasy cheeseburger. Yeah, uh, just some French fries. <laughs> nothing, nothing all fancy. Just a, no, just a does not have to be fancy. That's right. <laughs> so speaking of that. My next question, what is your go-to snack? Mm. So when kids go to bed, you're sitting on the couch, you get bored, you go in the kitchen, what's your go-to snack that you tell your uh, wife to always get? It's got to be uh, cheese and queso. Ah. Yeah, Tostitos and you have the queso get from, we get from Costco. That's yeah. like my, yeah, that's my go-to. Okay. Well, mine's <laughs> chips and salsa, so similar. There- Spicier <laughs> the better. Like, there you go. like my thing is I take hot sauce. Well, or or um, so when I worked, I told you before we started, I was a bartender for a while. And mm. if you have never had popcorn with hot sauce, oh mm. oh man. Buttered you know popcorn I, I with like hot I've sauce. That, but I don't know if I've ever had it. Like mm-hmm. myself, but I've heard about people doing it. It is really good. Okay. 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 Um let me see. Okay, so I guess it's my time for two. It questions. is. It is. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? So, okay. So I've given this one. So this one kind of takes me. I've got a couple ways that I could take this answer. Like, um, I've always had an affinity towards Wolverine. Um, okay. and then maybe that's why my facial hair is the way it is. Um, <laughs> but I've always loved Wolverine because he's kind of like it's kind of like the badass of the X-Men that kind of just doesn't really care what anybody says. He's just going to do his own thing, you know, to get the, to get it done. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Wolverine. Okay. Okay. Wolverine. That, that's, not, that's, not a, that's not a bad actor at all. Sorry. Character at no, all. So not at all. <laughs> um, what would you say is, um, I would say in listening in terms of your career right now as an educator, what has been your, um, what would you consider your, your biggest accomplishment? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really easy. Um, when I was, so I was a principal at Morganfield Elementary in Morganfield, Kentucky. And Morganfield, Kentucky is a little bitty town, um, but it's right next to a job course center. Um, and we've got a huge job course center on, it was, it was on an old um, military base during World War II. And we pull a lot of kids from a lot of, a lot of kids from down South, um, okay. a lot of inner city kids. Um, and I don't know if, if anybody out there is not familiar with Job Corps is. Job Corps is a, uh, it's a, it's a center that is funded by the Department of Labor um, to give lower income students um, a skill. So they can take kids up to 16 to I think 24 um, and they go there from anywhere from 12 weeks to 24 weeks, I believe. 
and they can learn all these different trades. I mean, they are adding new trades every single day. Um, they just added um, solar repair, wind turbine repair. Um, they actually have a partnership with Toyota and Toyota sends them brand new vehicles for these kids to learn on, to, to figure out, you know, to be Toyota certified. But when I was at the elementary, I saw um, that a lot of my kids, number one, um, I wanted to show my kids that a college degree is not necessarily, you know, the best thing for all of, all of them to be successful in life. I wanted to highlight the trades and I wanted to highlight CTE. And so I partnered with the Job Corps to do this six-week thing where we took 20 third graders every Friday um, for an hour for six weeks. And these 20 kids got to pick from five different trades. Um, I'm going to make sure I'm going to try to remember what they were. Uh, I know one was welding. One was uh, mechanical uh, maintenance or car maintenance. One of, one of them was computer technology. One was nursing and, and the other one was culinary. And so for six weeks, these kids got to immerse themselves into these trades. Um, and it was so awesome. We had third graders learning how to weld. We had third mm -hmm. graders learning how to take computers apart, build them. And then at the end, because Job Corps is freaking awesome, um, they presented all of our kids with some type of gift. Um, like our welding kids got a brand new welding hood, which is really expensive. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the mechanical, the, the auto mechanics, I think they got a, like a tool belt with some tools and um, it was just, it was amazing because I wanted to show these third graders what was possible and hopefully light a fire for them being, um, excited about the trades. And so it was really cool. It was, it was really cool. And it was, according to Job Corps, it was the first of any, anything like that in the United States. Um, yeah. my dream is to do something like that. And then, um, start it in third grade, but let kids do it all the way up through high school. Man, that's, 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 um, that's phenomenal. I don't know if you know, like some statistical data in Virginia. Um, do you know what data they look at to expand jail, jail cells in Virginia? So they, if they add a wing to a, a jail and they'll say, we're going to add a hundred beds or a hundred uh, cells, do you know what data they look at to expand, expand that? So off the top of my head, I would say something like would it be like third grade reading? Yeah, that's like exactly that. what it is. It's third yeah. grade literacy, third grade reading. So if you have a little bit of a stutter or can't read, they're already making a bed for you. So th this right here, I mean, the school to prison pipeline is so real. And I don't think people really real. understand that, that it's a real phenomenon. So for you to be doing that work at that, specifically at that age, when, when government um, institutions are looking at that same age group and, and, creating a, a creating a system really where they're making money off of it yeah, right sure, yeah, sure. um and you're doing something to change lives for trajectory at an age where most people will look at it and say oh, they're not ready especially when you talk about welding and vocational but that's exactly the age where you get kids excited about what's going on because let's, let's be real ryan we're, we're at the high school level i can I, actually we're, we're starting a welding program at our school actually right like on. as we speak um and so it's, it's going to be one of my one of my duties probably to try to uh, build capacity for that program and be able to get kids excited. But even kids that I know and I have a relationship with and you know that about me, I'm like, hey, sign this paper. You can get a, you know, get a potential to get a welding degree or welding um, certification and maybe leave out making 38, you know. Oh, yeah. More than us. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Making $38 an hour. Um, you know, would you be interested? And now I'm trying to convince a sophomore or junior to do that. And, and at that age, kids are more hardened and already solidified in how they're thinking. Not saying they can't be molded or changed, but they just kind of they've been set in their ways. So yeah, at yeah. third grade, that's such a moldable age where kids are still excited about learning, excited about new things and, and, and are impressionable. So that's awesome. So so yeah, that's an excellent, excellent story to share. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely had the opportunity. Uh, to meet some amazing people, do some amazing things. Um, sadly, I, you know, when I left, I don't think the program continued, but um, eventually I'm going to do it again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right.
So, um, you know, as we start to roll into this education uh, realm, the first question that I am always intrigued about, because um, I know my own path and my own path to education was definitely not the normal path to education. Um, I'm always interested to ask my guest, how did education find you? Because I really think it is, uh, at least me, I'm very purpose-driven. So I, I'm very much, I very much believe education found me, not the other way around. So how did education find you, Basil? Man, do we have another hour? <laughs> <laughs> because that's, it's, it's, a, it's a windy journey, but I, I will try to make it as short as possible. Um, I, yeah, I do believe education is a calling. My, my, actually, my um, a lot of people don't know this unless they've heard me speak, but I actually was an alternative student in middle school, got sent to two different alternative schools. Um, so, so was placed there. So to be where I'm at um, and, and being the educational program, which I, I strongly feel because um, I've, I've felt it and seen it in, in the work I've done that um, the systems aren't always set up for historically marginalized students to be successful, sure. right? Sure. And a lot of times the, the system, they're, they're square pegs that circular pegs are trying to fit into and it just doesn't work. Um, and so I, I really believe, I know we'll kind of get this later, but we got to rebuild a broken educational system. Um, you know, we talk about um, Brown versus Board of Education and, you know, that was almost 60, 60 some years ago. And to be crazy, Ryan, is some of that, that same stuff is still going on today, even though uh, separate but equal was, was was abolished and got rid of, but it's still, still not. that today. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's diff, diff, different ways that people do it. Charter schools, um, a lot of a different avenues, uh, magnet schools, gifted schools, and, and a lot of these mag fully you know and I'm, I'm all for it so I'm, let me first say i don't i'm not against it i understand it and, and I'm, I'm happy those kids are getting that high quality education but what i will say is when you have an all gifted school or all magnet school and certain students are selected to go to that school that's modern day segregation sure that's exactly what continues to happen in education um something that i wrote in in my dissertation and that i said to my committee in my closing statement is that you know I should not be a unicorn in, in education in terms of earning a terminal degree. Um, you know, only two percent of people or individuals hold, hold a terminal degree. And I did the research to find out how many black males of the two percent is there, and it's 0. 0.007 of the two percent. So if we were doing education correctly, there's a lot more basils out here to 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 be offered to see at that table to continue that educational journey, yeah. right? But it, 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 we're gatekeepers, Ryan, right? As educators, as counselors, as teachers, we're gatekeepers and we keep kids from certain things. And, the, and those institutional oppressions continue to happen, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, um, even grad school, that stuff happens that, that eliminate people from going to that next step. Right. Um, and so I just firmly believe that we, we got to do education different. Um, so for so for me, I'm uh, going back to your original question about, you know, how did education find me? Um, I, first of all, if you asked, you told me 10 years ago, I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. I'd be laughing in your face. Amen. Um, I if you told me I'd have a doctorate, I would, I would have laughed at you um, because I, I didn't see any of this 10 years ago. Um, I, I was my first educational um job was at boys and girls club so oh, yeah i knew I, yeah. I had a heart for kids right i actually started off at the boys and girls club as a member at, um, at the age of nine um and then i left the boys and girls club as, as a director of the whole program okay. um i had uh, 350 kids that i supervised i think i think about 25 staff members and about 25 ish volunteers from local colleges so a lot of development that was given to me at the boys and girls club um and then one of my mentors there kind of told me, you know, you're working nonprofit, the money can be a little funny sometimes, right? And so all of this, you know, definitely you're doing because it's a passion, but uh, even more so sometimes a nonprofit. So he kind of told me like the same kids need you in the public school, you That's know, the exactly same right. yeah. Those same you're walking around, telling, you know, giving them life lessons and telling them how to continue to stay on the straight, straight and narrow. They need you in public school as well. He's like, and maybe consider that you get paid more money, you get benefits, um, you know, I think I was what 20 through 223 at the time. So he was like, you need to start thinking about longevity and what you want to do. 
And so um, I actually started my first job after Boys and Girls Club. I started working as a para at an yep. alternative school. Um, and that was like my first job really in education outside of Boys and Girls Club. Um, then I became a life skills teacher at the, at the alternative school. And then I became um, the, the lead behavioral specialist. And that's when I really kind of had a quasi taste in like administration, kind of a dean role. Um, and, and kind of also like a dabble in education as I was kind of teaching and working with students and, you know, having a lesson plan, even though I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> um, you know, and so Anonymous I, I kind of got, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I, yeah, I got to taste a, a little bit of all of that. And then again, like when I tell you I have the best mentors and support group, I mean, I probably have 50 mentors, but every step of the way, Ryan has always been somebody who has said like, okay, Basil, now I've completed this step, this, 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 uh, I want to say capstone, now go to the next. Yep, um, yep. You know, my parents are both from the country of Belize. Um, so they're, they're not here from, from the United States. Um, my dad has a master's of divinity. He's a pastor. And my mom has equivalent of an eighth grade education. So if I would have just finished high school, I would have been okay in their eyes. If I would have just got just a bachelor's degree, I would have been doing better than a lot of my family members. Um, and so at the, at the time, yeah, but I can't tell you about the alternative school. I worked on my master's in special ed. Even when I did that, I, I could have been the man, <laughs> right? You I didn't want to quit. Good. That's right. That's right. And so then after I did that, I had a mentor, uh, you know, who told me like, okay, there's a master's in special, uh, master's in administration. And there's also EDS, you know, the EDS is like a master's 0.5, maybe go for that. So it's a little differently. Um, you know, always somebody, like I told you, mentors, it's along the way, it's kind of told me the next step. And they're like, you know, you want to go into leadership. Again, I never even knew there was a degree for leadership. I thought maybe the most veteran teacher in the building, they're like, okay, you're the new AP. Like I never, you know, who who talks about that? Right. Especially if you didn't grow up in education. Um, so I had to realize, oh no, there's a whole degree for that whole different salary scale. Um, and actually, I don't know if you know this, but my first degree is in business administration. Oh, so yeah, so that was my degree. I was going to wear suits all day um, and drive a nice car and be 14500 <laughs> company. Um, that's what I was trying to do. Or even I thought maybe be like a CEO of a Boys and Girls Club, you know, or YMCA, kind of a nonprofit world. Um, and I think at some point I realized that administration was where both of my worlds collided because I I do have that business kind of background. But then when you're in administration, it it is still that business background, the paperwork, the filing, everything you have to do is very businessy. But then you still have to to do what's at the heart of of education is working with students. So this then in turn works with their families. So when I, I guess once I got into administration, I realized, okay, my, my love for kids and I could do this, this business administration thing it was kind of both of them together. I could still wear suits, um, have a nice car, have a nice, have a nice career. So I said, okay, this is kind of both of them kind of lining up. So um, yeah, man, I just kind of, again, I would say um, being at the right place at the right time. And then also it, there was a quote that um, Oprah said, and I hope, hope I don't butcher it, but she talked about um, luck. I don't, I don't like the word luck because really I, I say, you know, purpose, but, but luck is when um, opportunity meets preparation. Sure. And I felt like a lot of those times where I listened to my mentors and I went for the next degree or went for the next thing, I was preparing myself for the next step. Right. And if I never if I never did those things, then I wouldn't have been ready to do what I need to do. Right. And so I think that was a big part of my success as well, was taking this opportunities when it came to me and being being prepared and ready for the next step when it presented itself. So yeah, I thought that was a big answer to your question, but oh, it's it really it's kind of like a meandering story, but um, really, I would say just God and and mentors and and um, you know, I, I feel so honored that I, I would be someone who people would even consider to be a role model, um, like you said in this work because there's so many great people, like you said, the education who are doing amazing work. But I also know that um, you know, if you look at my Twitter, you look at my LinkedIn, that I got to be a disruptor of the status quo. Um, and so I know that anything I do and say, it has to be able to, to, to create a bridge or to create a link for other people who are coming behind me. That's exactly right. So one of the big things that, that I'm taking away from what you said and something I, I, I believe in a thousand percent is just the power of mentors. Um, I, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, looking back 20 years on my own journey, if it hadn't been for some very strong people, um, 
guiding me along the way, pushing me along the way. Um, but then also kind of what you said, I'm a firm believer that God puts you in uh, particular places at particular times for particular reasons. Um, and I tell you what, one of the thing I love about my story, and I would probably dare say you do too, is that every day we get to meet kids that were exactly like us. That's right. Like I, like I see kids walking down my hallway every day. Um, and any chance that I get to tell them my story, um, and make them aware that they can beat the statistics they can beat wherever they're at right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, and you're an AP like I am. So I think the best part of our job is that we get to focus on kids like all day long. That's it. That's it. And like you said, just, uh, modeling for them, right. Um, you know, I, I have a program at my school called My School Sons. Um, and I specifically, you know, your word you use earlier is mentoring. I, I, I don't call it a mentoring program because, you know, a lot of schools have, you know, men of excellence and all these different names. But when you say um, son, yeah, it, it takes it to a whole nother yeah. level. And I, I'm very I'm very intentional about who my sons are because. Um, my school is very diverse, 30% uh, African-American, 30% Caucasian, 30% Hispanic. So very, um, very, very, very diverse. But the students, I have about 12 of them. The ones I work with are predominantly Hispanic males. Um, and I have a sprinkle of, of African-American males. Uh, again, no discrimination. That definitely, you know, have nothing against having a white school son, right? But the ones, the, the students that that need my support that I see just, you know, yearning for it and, and just need the support. Um, again, you know, when I first approached them with the program, they're like, ah, you know, they're like, uh, you know, it's it's the unknowns that they're saying. They're like, yeah, like I, I don't need a dad. I got a dad. You know, I got an uncle. And I'm like, and I let them know in the first meeting, I'm not trying to replace your dad or your pops. Right. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, your uncle. I'm just being a support for you here at the school that you're going to need when, 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 when something pops off. And I tell them, like, you might not know what I mean right now, but I promise you one day you're going to look at me and say, oh, man, now I know what you mean when you say <laughs> I have you back. And, and every time, I, you know, by the end of the semester, you know, a kid gets into it with a teacher. And I, I, I kind of I let them know, hey, I'm working with these kids and um, they'll call me up there. And I'll tell the kid right when I get there, be quiet because I need to figure out what's going on. No, you ain't give me an opportunity to talk. I said, let me hear what the teacher got to say. And then you and I go back to our office and do whatever we got to do. And I'm going to be there to support you. But you have an extra extra layer of support that some kids don't have. That's right. Right. So then these same kids like who are in classes who just negate to do work or just don't want to do anything or, you know, sleep through classes. And every other kid, you know, and I'm all about accountability. So anybody listening saying, oh, you know, where's accountability to tough what I'm love. about to say? It's tough love. But I have kids who teachers normally will say, no, I've already graded that. It's done. I can go back and say, hey, this kid has a 55. Can you allow them to do these, these uh, past 10 assignments? Let's get them on the right track. And then, you know, start second semester, right. we'll start strong. And because I have a relationship with the kid, because I go to the teacher, you know, it's going to happen. And so kids will kind of look at me and be like, man, how you do that? I'm like, because I'm working, I'm, I'm, I'm working with you and they see that they see the changes. Yes. So when people, you know, good people want to see good things happen to other people when it's momentum happening. So, um, so like I said, so I said, remember I told you that you're going to, it's going to click for you one day and say, oh man, he is trying to help me out. I'm like, this is that moment. So uh, yeah, man, I just really enjoy that. And like you said, dealing with working with the kids and supporting them, um, especially the ones that are mind of our, us of ourselves, man. It's that's the most that's the most promising part of our day. I agree. Okay, so I've written this down. My school sons. When we are done, um, I it, so I kind of already do something informally like that. Um, my teachers know that I, that it's my job. I try to memorize all the kids' names, all seven hundred of them, and I try to know the kids that need help with the kids they have stuff going on at home so that pretty much if teacher has a question about any of the students i'm the guy to go to but i love this idea so i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah, yeah, i'm gonna ask you some more questions when we're done yeah yeah i'm telling you because because a lot of schools have a mentoring program but and you can still have that right yeah, and yeah. if you have a mentoring program of 50 kids that's great. But I'm telling you, when you tell you, okay, okay, I have, you know, Ryan's school son's program, it might only be like six kids, but yep. those are the six kids that need the most, most support. Amen. And you got to check in with them like once a week, you see them at, you know, uh, the lunches, you bring them to your office, 
I mean, those are the kids. Let me see report card. Like, those are the kids that need the extra support. And and you and you know them, man. Like you know the kids that Monday comes in, they come off the bus, and you're like, mm, today's not going to be a good day. That's exactly you right. Just, you can tell. You don't. I'm like, man. Yeah. But that's but but something you said at the very beginning, um, Ryan, is 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 really the connection before content. Yeah. It because because you got to know that kid and got, got to know how, what you know what makes them tick and how they operate. You know that okay, Monday morning you already see them at eight thirty. It's not going to be a good day, and I, I I do it all the time. And then yep. by twelve thirty, a teacher's coming down the hallway with one of my sons. I'm like, mm, I saw you this morning and knew it wasn't going to be a good yeah, day. I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> right? I knew it. I knew so, it. Yeah. So whenever your criteria criteria is to select those 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 few, those will be the ones that you really you really would bring into that fold. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay, my friend. So let's 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 uh, jump into this big ed idea of yours. Um, you okay. started to allude to this a little bit in your educational journey, but I'm, I'm curious first. Um, I mean, I know you're a lot like me, you're an ed disruptor. Um, you want to take up this, you want to take this system, shake it up and just redo it. Um, but what is, what is the big problem in education that your idea relates to? So for me, the, the big issue for, for me is just really understanding how equity it is not, it is not a, we think about a plate, right? And think about, you know, the main course and, and your sides. Equity is not, oh, you know, let me get some corn, right? Add it to the plate. You know, equity is the steak. Yeah. And, and you have to make sure that equity is, is really intentional and infused in everything that you do. And a lot of times, you know, Ryan, what I see a lot of educators do is, the, is, is equity is afterthought. Right. We do all this work and then say, oh, how do we make it equitable now? So that way we can check off a box and talk to a sure. superintendent and talk sure. about how, how great our school, our, our uh, continuous school improvement plan is because we said equity five times in it. Like <laughs> if, if you're not being if you're not being intentional about what you're doing and it's not infused, then it's just again, it is a side thing. So so for me, um, it's our responsibility to meet students where they are. Um, and my my big idea really is related to making sure that equity is at the forefront of all educational planning um, that students receive. And that really, I would say, even goes to, to the beginning of looking at teacher prep programs and leadership prep program. Um, and one of, one of the things that I went through in my, um, my leadership kind of journey in terms of my degrees is that I really, Ryan, I was really baffled when I got, I mean, I have four degrees. I got to the doctorate level and that was the first time that I had a social justice class about education. And that's crazy to me. And I, I looked at my, first of all, I got the EDS from the same university, right? So we never talked about that in our EDS program, which, which more people are going to have access to the EDS or the, or the master's level in leadership, right? And I just, I looked at him as a department chair. We had a meeting one day and I said, how is this okay that so many few people go to this level and this is the first time I've had a class about social justice. I'm like, this is a class that needs to be of the bachelor's level. This is a class that needs to be at the master's level. So when you go to undergrad and you want to just touch the surface, cool. But then once we get to this master's level program, that needs to be a course in, in a teacher prep program because you're, we're doing our teachers a disservice when we're not giving them the, the tools to equip them to, to serve the students that we have today in our society, right? It's ever-changing. And, and we're so diverse. But, I mean, our, our, our student population across the nation is crazy diverse. But, crazy. Our, our, but, our, work, but our workplace um, not. individuals are not. No. Right? No. No. So no. we're not preparing people. And, they're, and they're our, our, our teachers are historically not representative of what students look like. No. So for me, again, how like again that that's that's just, this is an example of something that could be really institutionalized. But to me, that needs to come from the Department of Education. Every teacher prep program, and I, you know, I sit right now on the policy um, policy action committee for ASCD. And we and we we talk about some of the hot topic things within education across the board. And one of the things we're talking about right now is retention. Um, and we talk about retention that really also links to teacher burnout. 
Sure. Right. Sure. Which, is, but, which is crazy. Which right is now. huge. Right. Well, right now it's at an all time. It's at an all time high and maybe even early retirement. I'll say people are just like mm, 28 years. Yep. I'm out. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right. But but part of the burnout, though, Ryan, is because we're not giving people the tools to even be successful when they get into that role. Right. And again, if you were if you would have conversations in a bachelor's level class or master's level class about culturally responsive education and teaching. What does it mean to make sure that all kids in your classroom have what they need to have an inclusive environment, right? And you're not just hearing about it for the first time at a conference or you brought in somebody from the outside, you brought a basil into your school to do a PD, great. It's a one-time situation and I'm, I'm flying back home. Like right. you need to be able to have it be a part of your framework as an educator, but that should have been in your framework before you even got to the job. So it's stuff like that to me that when we talk about rebuilding the, the educational system, that's paramount. It's, yeah. it's got to happen because we're truly not giving people what they need. You can teach anybody content, you can teach anybody things about ELA and math and science, and that's great. But but one thing that um, uh, Principal Kefele said one time when I was when he was speaking, and, and it forever stuck with me, he said, "Are you teaching math, or are you teaching Matthew?" And for me, that's, yeah, dude, that's, that's huge. That is huge. If, if Matthew has an IEP and Matthew hates math, then you can't just say, well, I taught the, 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 the lesson about quadratic, whatever. And, you know, Matthew just didn't get it. Well, Teaching you and also learning know, are two different things, right? You'd also need to know that he has an IEP and there's some processing delays. So you have to give him opportunity to hear it again and maybe see it in a different format, but then also realizing that math is not one of his favorite subjects. So yeah. it's stuff like that, but you got to know that. Right. And so when you, when you're in tune with stuff like that and you're saying, I'm going to do what I can to make sure all my kids get what they need. It, it, and I will say this, right. It's exhausting. Yeah. Right. Equity work is exhausting, but it also is the right work. And it's the work that, that, pr that produces the most results in terms of kids getting what they need for the next level as they matriculate through school. Um, especially right now, like you said a couple of minutes ago with COVID, and, and I, I hate this phrase learning loss, but the opportunities for kids to get back on track <laughs> because right. there's so many kids who are just, who just fell off, Ryan. So what are we going to do <laughs> this, this year and going into next year? Because we're still going to see the effects for several years to come. Yeah. I th and, and I really thought, um, I really thought this would highlight a lot of the inequities, um, you know, just talking about technology, you know, talking about, um, especially um, one of my passions is serving children of poverty. And um, I know here in Kentucky, something like 22% of our students live in poverty. Um, but that is, that is one of those groups that we don't, how do I say, we, we don't do a good enough job of, I don't know the word. I just don't think we do a, a good enough job with our students living in poverty. Because um, mm -hmm. students living in poverty goes across all racial um, gender role you know gender any it, it's everything it's everybody right right um, right yeah your po po poverty does not see um does not see color nor does it see ethnicity um and it really is one of the elements that um exacerbates all other things we talk about education um i don't know if you know the work about aces um, oh yeah but, but very, much. ACES, very that's much very much so rooted in trauma poverty um, kids going through 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 hard life situations and that again goes kind of go back to my bigot idea you got to know what kids are going through and you, you can do all the the curriculum planning in the world on in the weekend till your eyes are red if the kid comes in on monday puts their head down and says my mom died this weekend none of your curriculum planning is going to mean nothing to me so how do you, and unfortunately, there's not a course for that either, but how do you navigate that? Because now your whole world has crumbled, right? But we have so many kids, Ryan, who are dealing with stuff like that, dealing with, you know, I'm in a foster care system, dealing with, I have, I have my mom, but we're, you know, like you said, we're, we're in section eight and we're getting evicted and we're things going on. Our lights aren't on, but you're bugging me about my homework when I couldn't right. even see it. Right. 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 Um, you know, and we hear that like every that. day, don't I know, so I know you do. Yeah. I hear that yeah. every day. 
That's right. And, and, and it's until I break it down to the teacher and say, do you know what's really going on? Like when this kid leaves here and you break it down and the teacher goes, oh man, like why didn't the kid tell me? I'm like, because that goes back to the relationship piece. That's exactly right. If they felt like they could tell you, they would have. That's exactly right. <laughs> or they so, showed, or they were telling you a different way. Right, 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 right. You know, exactly. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, there is not, of course. And I think, and I, I think you would agree with me. Um, I've got some amazing teachers at my school. I've got teachers that get the relationship piece. Um, I think every school has some that don't. And it's, it's impossible. I don't know how, and maybe you do. How do I teach teachers to have those relationships with students that just come naturally with me? You know, like, can we actually teach that? You know, it's crazy, Ryan. You can, you, you can, you can teach someone to build a relationship. Um, will it be the best level of authenticity as someone sure. like yourself who's, who's good? Um, no, right? Um, also, like, you know, you see the stuff on TikTok and you see the people at the door doing the high five. And the, <laughs> you know, okay, listen, if that's not you and, and all of a sudden you go to a conference, you're coming back and trying to do that, the kids also have a sixth sense to know. <laughs> yes, hey, they what, do. What's up with you, right? Yes, they do. <laughs> Somebody come and do an observation today because you have yeah right. <laughs> so, but 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 you could teach someone. So, a quick example I can give you is I had um, my former school. I had a kid who I mean was a tough kid. I mean just just tough. I mean just all the time want to argue the teacher down, no respect. Just kind of just kind of did like the street code. That's how he operated with everything. And I had to keep reminding him, you're you're at school. Like these are teachers, you got to respect them. And so. This teacher kind of was a hard nose and she was known for being a hard nose. And she, she, you know, was very much so I gave the assignment. He didn't do it. He, you know, he's not turning it in. So I went, I went and talked to her one day and I said, listen, I, I understand your rules and your procedures. And I'm not in any way trying to belittle or change um, what you have going on in terms of your, of your structure. Um, but one of the words you used earlier, uh, Ryan was being flexible. And I said, I'm going to ask you to be flexible and, and, and really just walk me, work, work with me through this, this, this journey of us trying to get this kid excited about your class. And I said, what we have to do with that is we got to give and take, right? And I said, I, I don't know about you, but wh where I see a lot of educators failing is that, you know, they, they are trying to make a withdrawal from a place they have not made a deposit, that makes right? Sense. And so I always tell people, if you know a bank that lets you take a withdrawal and you haven't made a deposit, please let me know. Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> going there tomorrow. Like yesterday. Right. <laughs> so for me, in, you know, with my teachers, I tell them the first week of school, I want to see just relationship building stuff the first week of school. Yes, sir. I don't yes. want to see any kind of lesson plan with content and get to know your kids. Right. One day might be story day. Just facilitate team building. Get to know, get to know your kid. And that's one way you build community and camaraderie in the class. Right. Because the kids have to know the kids have to get to know each other as well in that in that space. And so, um, of course, when, you know, she did her thing like that the first week of school, this kid didn't participate, whatever. So I, I, I came to her and I said, listen, can we do experiment? I want to work this work with this kid, but he's going to need to make up like four or five assignments. Um, you don't have to give the full credit, but I want him to be able to, to, to make it up against what your policy is so he can get back on track, um, because a, another thing for for kids Ryan is when they get that zero it, it it takes the air out of their sails if you were even trying to get back on let's say you have 25 and then you're trying to get back on on track and all of a sudden you got a zero <laughs> the next day you're at 10 right and I got to get all the way to 70 to pass it, right. it just you know it's the defeatist mindset yeah so you know she said you know what okay and pretty much she told me Dr. Moran gets all that I believe in Okay, I'm gonna do it for you. Let, let's just see how this works. So uh, another thing you know about this teacher is she was against PBIS. Like we we tried to bring it, and again, high school level is a little harder. Yeah. Um. You know, elementary school PBIS works definitely a lot a lot different. So when we talked about PBIS and integrating those those frameworks, she was like, "Ah, oh, here we go." So I got to <laughs> give them stickers, and I gotta you know give them positivity stuff all the time. Like you know that's what they got their mama for. I don't need to do that. So um, she so she allowed the student to make up the work. Then we had a quiz. Uh, she had a quiz coming up, 
And I said, hey, how about on fr- on Thursday, you tell the kids, hey, we got a, test, a quiz coming up on Friday. If everybody does well and passes this quiz, I'm going to make cupcakes and I'm going to bring them in on Monday. And she's like, why would I make him cupcakes? I'm like, because this is how you build, again, community. That's exactly right. And, and motivate, like, and get the kids. I mean, anybody loves to eat. I mean, I'm a big dude. I Come love on, everybody eat. likes I'm like, listen. Like, if you tell the kids, I'm bringing cupcakes, I said, look, man, it's taking you four, three or $4 from the store. It, it, it's just, it's you got to, yes, you got to make it over the weekend, but it'll take you 20 minutes, but it's just a thought and whatever, ice them up. But the, you're going to, we're going to win with some of the kids in that class, right? And so she's like, all right, well, let, let's see. She's like, then she said, everybody's not going to pass. I said, you, you can't, you, you can't look at what's already been done. You're trying to set up a new goal, new standard Have in your class. Have a positive mind. So you got to say, if everybody in here passes, then we'll, I'll, I'll make the cupcakes and leave it like that. So the kid we were working with, you know, of course he was in the classroom. She's like, he ain't going to take it. And because we had started to do a little work and doing better, you know, everybody took the quiz on Friday. And I believe everybody really tried to like do their best. So so the, so Thursday, so we said this like Thursday morning to the class or she did, but I was just kind of there. So Thursday around like three, she comes down to my class. Now, mind you, this is a teacher who was never really excited about anything, um, you know, <laughs> never really jovial, just kind of like, you know, just that's just her personality. Sure. So she came down to my office. I mean, just ecstatic. And I'm like, you would have thought that she won the lottery the way she came to my office. And I'm like, are you OK? She's like, yeah, I'm good. She's like, I I want I have some good news for you. And I'm like, OK. She's like, so remember we talked, told the kids this morning about the cupcakes? I'm like, yeah. She's like, everybody passed. And I'm like, man, so you, now you know what you got to do, right? I said, you got to hold right. up your end of the bargain. You got to make them cupcakes and then make sure they're not burnt. <laughs> 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 so she, you know, she made the cupcakes and then we, she brought them in on Monday. And we made it a big deal. But I say all about to say, Ryan, that was a fabricated relationship situation where she, she planted a seed. Hey, look, I believe in you all. Let's yeah. see what you can do, even yeah. though you've shown me for the last 12 weeks Good you point. can't do it. You know, for the last 12 weeks, you told me you showed me you couldn't do it. Let me just throw this Hail Mary and see what y'all do. And the kids showed up. And it worked. So to me, one of my favorite movies before I, before I'm gonna, we move on is Stand and Deliver. Because you know that uh, Mr. El, uh, El, what's his name? Escalante, right? The yes, teacher Escalante. Escalante. He had the well. Um, he had the worst classroom in the school. I mean, he walked in there. Kids are on the, on the on the desk. I mean, throwing stuff. No respect. I mean, nobody expected him to make it two days, right? And he worked and he built a relationship and he he was consistent, right? The biggest thing is he was consistent no matter what happened. And I would say the, the one of the guys in that group who was like the pit bull or kind of the ringleader, he eventually you saw over the course of the movie that he started to gain his respect. Yep. And when kids came in there and tried it, he's like, oh, no, we don't do that in here. We respect him. Um, all that to note to say that, you know, at the end of the movie, they tested. Right. And this was like a I would say great on grade level or below grade level class. Yeah. yeah. They tested higher than the AP or honors level classes. So much so the state came in and made them retest because they thought they cheated. And they came in a second time and scored higher. Yep. So to me, you know, we talked about that movie that says, Do you have uh, you know, do you have cojones? Do you have desire to want to do better? And so I'm I'm now segueing this to my, my earlier story. Does a teacher have a desire to even want the kids to do well, even when they haven't shown that the whole time, yeah. right? But it's up to you to say, let me give them a chance. Um, so I, I think to me, Ryan, you can't, you can build relationships. You can show someone how to do that. And after I showed Miss Fox how to do that, like she was one of the people that would come to the staff meetings and would share stories about things that was working and how implemented and changed her class. And she was the one that helped move some of the other teachers who were on the fence of like not trying to do stuff. Sure. Cause she saw the power of relationships. Right. That's Amen. right. Amen. All right. So <laughs> to close up our uh, segment on your big ed idea, you had talked about um, teacher prep programs um, requiring equity, requiring social justice classes. Um, yeah. I just see that as, you know, there's a saying, when you know better, you do better. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, a lot of our teachers are not representative of their students in their class. Um, and so, you know, maybe not for their own fault, but they, they just, they don't know better. Um, and it takes, you were right. It takes maybe some PD, maybe it takes 
but that is always after the fact. Right. Um, and, and I like what you say, because you're exactly right. Like, let's start them off. Let's, ex let's expose them to this. Um, because quite honestly, probably a lot of our teachers come from middle-class America. Um, they don't necessarily, um, not that the they viewpoint, don't point uh, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah that's the it. Viewpoint of that's the it. Lens, the lens is different. Yeah. It, so, so if I could say something real quick to that. So my, my favorite teacher who impacted my life in ninth grade. And again, this is a whole nother podcast and you've probably heard me speak about her before, but she is a white lady, blonde hair, blue eyes, definitely blonde side story. Right. So I do want to say it does not matter if you do not look like your students, when you love on kids and care about kids, then they see that, right? Yes. So, so yes. I will say, yes. I will say that even though predominantly our, you know, the staffing employees across the nation is, is 80%, you know, Caucasian females. If you give, if you give people what they need, like you said, the tools to be able to move forward, like that, like Dr. Maya Angelou said it, when you know better, you do better. Exactly and when people right. are given the tools to, to do better, they're going to want to do better yep. right? because that's where a lot of the frustration comes. I don't look like a kid. I talk to the mom. I don't understand the struggle she's talking about. Um, you know, I was brought up in a four, a four bedroom house, two car garage, white picket fence. I don't, I, I do not understand what it means to be in section yeah. housing. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. what it means to I missed the bus and then because I missed the bus, I couldn't get breakfast and then I don't have lunch money in my lunch account. So now I went through all these periods and I'm hungry. And because I'm hungry, I, I'm frustrated and all these things have, have, have really piled on each other. So I'm coming to your class and being disrespectful, yeah. right? All that comes back to the lens of understanding and really getting a, a, a better lens of what's going on. So to your point, I just want to make sure that I make that clear. Just because our teachers don't look like our students does not mean they can't be, they cannot be effective. But but the, but there got to be tools added to the toolbox, right? That's like that's like you paying for you know a mechanic to come to deal with your car, but they're only coming with a screwdriver. Sure. Like I mean, what what, what am I going to do? So that that's and that's again that's where the burnout and frustration to do the equity work comes from. But if you give people what they need, as you said, we start we start at the very beginning, and this has to be a holistic a holistic flip, right? Because Again, how many people are going through these programs and never hearing about equity, never hearing about any of this stuff? Well, right, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, so to close that, guys, I just want to say, um, if you are have anything to do with teacher prep programs, um, please take away this absurd notion that we need to come out of teaching prep um, being able to write a four-page lesson plan. Um, Please take that off of our teacher's plate and let's put some of this equity and social justice work that our kids desperately, desperately need. Um, so my man, Basil, there are people out here that are listening that want to know more, um, you know, that you have, you have wet the whistle, so to speak, and they just want to know more about this. They want to do better. Um, how can folks get a hold of you, um, you know, and get, I guess, get your your take on some other things. Absolutely. Um, I'd say the, the most, the best way to get a hold of me is through um, Twitter. Okay. And that would be at Basil underscore Marin. And I'm sure um, Ryan will put some, um, some of the stuff in the, in the show. Yes, notes I sure will. Website. Sure will. Um, I will say after that, my website, um, basilmarin.com. Um, it talks a lot of bit, a little bit about my journey on the, on the beginning intro. Um, I also provide some um, resources with other podcasts I've been on um Crayola a lot of other other organizations I've spoken with and been had an opportunity to work with um I, I I post that stuff on there as well as well as looking for a speaker for a PD or for a convocation or things you're looking for for your school you can reach me through there um then also Instagram which is um Basil Moran underscore inspires um so definitely three ways the three ways to reach me but the best way I would say is is Twitter I'm writing all these down All right, my friend. It has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it, man. So likewise, likewise. I'm glad we <laughs> finally. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's keep this thing going. Um, yes, us AP's got to stick together. 
Right. Um, right. <laughs> southern APs, because I can say that I'm in Kentucky, That's which right. is technically a southern state. We're in the South, man. We are. Okay, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna um close this out like I always do. And that's a quote um, about dreaming because I'm a firm believer that the world does not change unless you dream up something first. And so my quote for this evening is the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. And so for my friends out there in the edge sphere, um, I appreciate you. I love you. I respect you. And like my grandpa, John Janoski used to always say, I will see you in the fight. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion and together let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.